Worship tonight, I mentioned it this morning, you are the brave saints of the Lord. You come back when we say we're going to preach on revival and we're going to pray about revival. A lot of times when you say that, people are like, "Mm, don't think I'm going to do that. Don't think I'm going to go there. But you came. And so it's by no accident that you are here. We're going to share some things along the word of God. And uh, I just was thinking about something as pastor was preaching that we might need revival when the saints are living in the valley of, oh no. Oh no. Pastor's taking up another offering. Oh no. They're called for another special prayer meeting. And this is a really big one. Oh no. Pastor's preaching on commitment, not commitment. Well, you know what? We might need revival. The church as a whole does need revival. And that's why I continuously pray about it, preach about it, because you can have what you say. Do y'all believe that? We are a church here that believes in the power of our confession. We believe it in our heart and we say it with our mouth. So I am saying on a regular basis, I personally am fired up now. How about you? I'm fired up now. And I'm having a personal revival. And we are having revival in the Bay Area. I don't care what the devil say, it's going to go God's way. I don't care what the fake news might be declaring. I don't care what people are saying about the Bay Area and about California. We don't get what they say, we get what we say. And we're saying, we're having revival. We're saying multitudes are coming into the kingdom of God. Did you realize this, that revival is really for the church. Evangelism is for reaching the lost and reaching the world. But every down through history, if you'll study it out, revival it begins in the church. The church won't be the church. The church won't reach out. The church won't pray. The church won't share. The church won't go. The church won't show him to the world if they're dead, dull, and dry. Oh, Lord, revive us. Amen? Now, listen to some of these definitions of revive. These are actually out of Webster's Dictionary. To restore to consciousness or life. To restore from a depressed, inactive, and unused state. Do you know that there are Christians, this is hard to believe, but there are Christians that are depressed. There are Christians that are inactive. There are Christians that are not being used for the glory of God. So if that's the case, I think we need revival. And then listen to this one. Revive is this. To become active or flourishing again. I like that one. To become active or flourishing again. Revival involves restoration. Restoration of something that was lost. 
Again, if you study past revivals, the reason that God showed up and revived his church is because his church was on the verge of becoming dead. And the church had lost their zeal and their passion for God. And that's not his intention. It's always been God's intention that his people are glowing with his spirit. That is, people are full of his presence, full of joy. And that will only happen in the body of Christ if we stay vitally connected to him. I declare that I'm, I'm vibed up. You can't, you know, you can't revive if you've never been vibed. So we got to get vibed first. We got to get born again first. And then we got to get filled with the Holy Ghost and fire because that'll keep your fire burning. And in our walk with the Lord, the only way that we are going to stay vibed up is to stay vitally connected to him. I love this passage over in John chapter 15. You might say, what does this have to do with revival? Well, the answer is everything. John 15, verse 4 through 5. Thank you for your enthusiasm. (laughs) Verse 4 in the Amplified. Dwell in me, I will dwell in you. Live in me, I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding in and being vitally united to the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine. Who's doing the talking here? Jesus. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much abundant fruit. That's revival. When the church is bearing fruit. Abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. Being vitally united to Jesus living in him in him we live and move and have our being doesn't mean that we are just hanging on doesn't mean that we just get a little bit from him it does not mean that we're trying to blend in with the world We're trying to look like the world. We're trying to act like the world. We're smoking the same joint that the world. You know, I can't believe I can even talk like that. I never, you know, anyway. (laughs) If you would ask me 20 years ago what a joint was, I would see like, well, my knee or my elbow, but you know, whatever. But anyhow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So that... That's just a sign of the time here. But we, we, we can't say that I'm vitally connected to Jesus if we're doing the same thing the world's doing, talking like them, acting like them. That's not how we represent as believers. That's not letting our light shine. That's not saying that we are vitally connected to Him. I've used this illustration before, but too many Christians are like this. I grew up, all of you in here, most of you anyway, know that I grew up on a farm in Oklahoma. And we had fruit trees. And my dad, we, we had 160 acres, had big oak trees, all other kinds of trees on the property. And it was like 
kids, go ahead, climb all the trees you want. I loved to climb trees. I just loved it. And anyway, climb all the trees that you want, but don't climb on the fruit trees. Because if you climb on the fruit trees, you might break one of their branches. And so, you know, here we come harvest time. And we're... Where did we want to go climb the trees? It's kind of like Adam and Eve. You know, you can climb all the trees on the 160 acres, but the apple tree was the one that we wanted to climb. (laughs) Climb on the tree. Get out there on that branch and hear a a little crack. Jump off real quick. Hope nobody noticed. Harvest time comes. One branch of that tree is hanging kind of low. Got a lot of leaves on it but no apples. And daddy would say, I wonder what happened to that branch. (gasps) We don't know. None of us knew. Or if he quizzed us very long, it was always Ricky did it. And you know, he never argued with that because most of the time Ricky did do it. If I put him up to it, he did it. No, anyway. But what's the point? That branch was not vitally connected. It was hanging on enough to the tree To produce leaves, but no fruit. And that's what a lot of Christians' lives look like. That's not revival. That's not letting our our light shine before men. If we're just barely hanging on, but there's no fruit being produced. The world needs to see the light of Jesus in him, in us. We are the light of the world. Amen? And it draws people out of darkness when we're letting that light shine. It has been a plot and a ploy of the enemy from the very beginning of creation. Started with Adam and Eve. He had, Satan has tried to keep humanity connected to God. Adam and Eve were in the beautiful garden of Eden. They had walked with him. They had fellowship with him. He didn't like that. Satan didn't like that. So what did he do? He came. He tempted. They yield. And it severed their relationship that they once had with God. And he's always trying to do that. But thank God. Our God is a redeeming God. Our God has a plan and our God is into restoration. And one of the ways that he brings his people back to him and back to their first love is by sending revival. Revival is a part of his plan of redemption. He constantly and he continuously is reaching out to mankind. To pull him back into that vital union and that fellowship with him. If you think about Israel, his love for Israel. Think about how they repeatedly rebelled against him. They forgot him. They turned away from him. They worshipped other idols. There's a thought right there again. In the day in which we live, do you think people worship other idols? Do you think people have things that are before God they, that take the place in their heart due to Him? Too many people are worshiping themselves. It's amazing how many selfies are taken and posted all over social media. Don't I look good? Aren't I awesome? And look what I had for lunch. And I want to say, who cares? I love you, but you know, really? 
Do we need a selfie of you and your cheeseburger? Uh, it's, people are worshiping themselves. And Israel got in trouble because they worshiped other things other than God. But God did not give up on Israel. And I got good news. He's not going to give up on us. He's not going to give up on the United States of America. As long as there are people in this great nation who will humble themselves, call upon the name of the Lord and ask fervently for revival in our land. Our nation is going to turn. Our nation is going to return unto God because he hears the cry of his people. Hallelujah. That's what's going to happen in our nation. But this is what God did with Israel. And I just saw this the other day as I was reading this passage of scripture and my heart just on the inside of me, I just saw the picture that this is what God is doing over his people, over our nation right now. In Isaiah chapter 65, verse 2, speaking of Israel, this is what he said to them. I have stretched out my hands all day long. He called them to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good according to their own thoughts. But the picture that I see is this. God said, I've stretched out my hands all day long. That means he said, I'm not going to loose my hold on you. He didn't give up on Israel. Again and again, he sent prophets. He sent voices to them, speaking through men and women to turn back to him because he loved them with an everlasting love and God has never given up on mankind when I read that and it says I have stretched out my hands all day long it reminded me of John chapter 3 verse 16 this is God stretching out his hands this is God extending mercy this is God restoring relationship with mankind. That's part of revival. God sending Jesus was the greatest visitation on earth that history will ever reveal. The son of the living God humbled himself, stretched out his arms and died for us. John three sixteen. quote it with me. For God so loved that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God so loved, he gave. Jesus so loved, he came. Both of these actions are based on love because he loves us. With an everlasting love. The history of the church from the beginning to present time shows repeated over and over that we need revival. Why? Because the church steps out of and forgets their first love and loses that passion and that zeal of living for Him serving him 
showing him to a lost and dying world. If we're not passionate about something, we don't do it with very much enthusiasm. And if we lose our passion for how much he loves us, then we aren't very effective in telling somebody else how much he loves them. I know how much my husband loves me. He's really, he is very awesome at that. He shows his love. He shares his love. He does. He's passionate about it. It's awesome. And when you're passionate about your love for someone, you don't have to be ashamed to show it. But too much of the church is not showing how much Jesus loves us. We got to know he loves us first and then show it. You think about in the Bible, the books that were written to the different churches and the book of Ephesians was written to the church at Ephesus. And this, this was a pretty fired up bunch. I mean, you read the book of Ephesians, there's a lot happening in the church at Ephesus. But even them, they are mentioned over in the book of Revelation. In Revelation 2, 3 and 4, he's talking directly to them. And he said, you have persevered and have patience. And you have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Go Ephesus church. You get a gold star for that. But then he goes on in verse 4 and he says, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You see, laboring in ministry is a good thing. Serving the Lord is an awesome thing. But our works should not be based on... I mean, what we do for him is not a works thing. It needs to be based on, I love Jesus. I'm standing here preaching to you tonight in Hayward because I love you, but most of all, because I love him. And I want to please him. And I want him to get glory through my life. And I want to be a blessing to people. That's what compels us to show the love of Jesus. That's what compels us to witness. That's what compels us to invite people to church. That's what compels us to serve. And when the church is walking in that revelation, oh, how he loves me. You just can't help but talk about it. You just can't help but, you know, wow, Jesus did this for me today. Jesus did that for me today. Jesus loves me. And you know, he loves you too. And he wants to do the same for you. Amen. So would you agree that the church is in need of revival today? Amen. Amen. I got another little thing about revival. We need revival when there's more to shout about and we do it less. When the majority of the congregation are spectators and not participators. Pastor Tom could say amen to that during the worship time as well. We need revival when saints come early to get a back row seat because they don't want to be too close to the anointing. No offense to y'all sitting in the back. 
We need revival when the preacher is shouting and the saints are sleeping. We need revival when the saints are more excited when church is over than when it's going on. (laughs) Oh, well, so we need revival. Hallelujah. And is it scriptural to pray for revival? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Yes, it is. Psalms 85 verse 6. We've been dancing all around this scripture, so now let's just read it. Psalms 85, 6. <clears throat> Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? That's good. Y'all read it with me. One, two, three, read. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Revive who? Revive your people. We're establishing revival is for the church. Evangelism is for the world. So when the church is revived and stirred up, going to reach out. Amen. When the atmosphere is prevalent in a church, there's going to be some characteristics that show up. And people are going to know God is in that place. God lives in us, but God also will come and he will make his abode in a dwelling place where he's magnified and where he's honored and where he's given place. As I've been studying revivals down through the ages, there was a particular one, Charles Finney, that was used mightily of God. And in this book called Revival Fires by Wesley Duell, it's a good book if you want to just find out about some of the past revivals. But Charles Finney noted this, that when revival shows up, there are some characteristics. Number one, there is a prevalence of a mighty spirit of prayer. You don't have to beg people to pray. There's a spirit of prayer that comes upon a congregation. And then this is interesting. Number two, he said there's an overwhelming conviction of sin. Our God is a holy God and he wants us to walk in holiness. Holiness has nothing, (coughs) excuse me, to do if you're a woman with your hair or how you dress that's not it's not an outward thing john osteen said you know that sometimes people get caught up on on what holiness is and they got all of it you know they have their hair all piled up in a, a high bun and they got on long dresses and no makeup but he said that's not holiness because they also have their tongue is long enough to sit in the living room and lick a spoon in the kitchen So holiness is not an outward thing. But when true revival is happening, there is a conviction. Now notice I did not say a condemnation. God's not condemning you, but there's a conviction of sin. And people want to lay aside weights and they want to get rid of hindrances because they want to be used of God in this great revival. They want to give Him Honor. Do we have any candidates in here to be used of God? Amen. Overwhelming conviction of sin. Then number three, a sudden and powerful conversion to Christ. 
sudden and powerful conversions to Christ. When there is a spirit of revival that's happening in a place, the pastor doesn't have to stand up front and say, please, please, please. Oh, cool. Give me one. I think there's one lost person in here. Please, please. Come to Jesus. No, because there's a prevailing spirit of prayer. And there is a conviction of the Holy Ghost. People are running to the altar. I want to get right. I want to receive Jesus. Sudden conversions. Hallelujah. Sudden and powerful conversions to Christ. And then I like this one. Great love and abounding joy. Woo! Hallelujah. Just think about that. In the midst of revival, we're not fighting. We're not fighting because somebody got my chair. Or we're not trying to cut somebody off in the parking lot. There's abounding joy and love in our midst. Loving one another. Why? Because we're loving Jesus. And joy because He is the joy of my salvation. Glory to God. And then I found this one really interesting. And I'm, I'm claiming this one. Number five. Increased intelligence and stability of the converts. Isn't that interesting? Increased intelligence and stability of the converts. You know what? When people get born again, perhaps their minds have been blown on drugs or alcohol. But when Jesus, hallelujah, when Jesus shows up in a person's life, they get better looking and they get smarter. Hallelujah. And they get stable. He shall be the stability of our times. Jesus is the rock that won't grow. Glory be to God. I'm claiming this one. People coming in off of the streets. People coming in full of disease and they get born again. Hallelujah. People that have had mental problems and and depression and a rest of the devil receive Jesus and they are changed. Hallelujah. Their intelligence is restored. It's increased. Glory be to God. And those that were wishy-washy, one foot in the world, one foot trying to serve Jesus are going to get grounded and become stable. Woo! I like that one. Do you like that one? I do. Number six. During revival, there is a their great a characteristic that you're in revival, a great earnestness and activity and usefulness in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be something if everybody said, Woo, revival's happening. What can I do? How can I serve? I want to be used. I want to give God glory. Folks, say it with me. We're in revival. We're, in revival. We're, having, it. We're having it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. I'm, in I'm in personal revival. And my church. And the Bay Area. And my nation. Our experience. Revival. You know what else happens in revival? God's presence is manifest. 
What happens in God's presence? People get healed. People get delivered. Lives are changed. God's presence in mighty manifestation. I heard a minister of God say this. He was in prayer and the Lord said this to him. The devil isn't afraid of huge crowds. He's afraid of huge presence. The devil isn't afraid of huge crowds. He's afraid of huge presence. Because he knows in the presence of the Lord, lives are changed. In the presence of the Lord, hallelujah, things are changed. People are made new in his presence. A sign of revival is an enduring presence, manifest presence of the Lord. David knew the importance of the presence of the Lord. He walked with the Lord. The Bible says he was a man after mine own heart. But when he missed it, when he had that affair with Bathsheba, and then he had her husband put on the front lines as saint tantamount to having him murdered, God's presence lifted from him. And you can hear his heart's cry in Psalms 51 verse 12. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. He knew what he once had, he lost. Revival is restoration of something that we maybe once had. The fire, the zeal, the joy. So David's crying out, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I've lost my joy. I need your presence. A telltale sign that we haven't been in the presence of the Lord is that our joy has waned. Doesn't the Bible tell us in Psalm 16, 11, in his presence is fullness of joy. We want to have his joy. We need to spend time in his presence. Amen. And in verse 13, David goes on and he says, Lord, if you restore unto me the joy of your salvation, if I get back where I once was with you, Lord, if I return to that first love and our relationship is vital and I'm connected with your presence once again, this is what I'm going to do. Verse 13, then will I teach transgressors your way and sinners shall be converted to you. Hallelujah. You see how this is all connected. When we're walking with him, vitally united with him, when we're full of his presence, we're showing something to the world. We're teaching transgressors that God is good. We're letting them see that they should come and serve this wonderful Jesus. Amen.
one person said this about revival. Revival is the inrush of the spirit into a body that threatens to become a corpse. We're not dying here. We're thriving here in the name of Jesus. There's no dead saints here. Can I get a witness? We're not going to become a corpse. We're rising up. We are going to walk in our God-given authority. We're going to show him to the world. Amen. And then one other person said that revival is the restoration of the presence of God to the degree that the community knows God is there. Churches can be known for lots of things. That's good. That's fine. But one thing that Heart of the Bay has been known for and will continue to be known for is presence. We are a presence-based church where God is in manifestation. And when he is doing what he wants to do in our midst, the lost will receive Jesus. The sick will receive healing. The oppressed will go free. So our prayer is, Lord, revive us. Revive us, O Lord, in the midst of our years. We've been doing this for years. Heart of the Bay has been here. We've been pastoring here since 1982. And we are not going to get old and cold. Lord, revive us in the midst of our years. Oh, will y'all stand with me? Lord, our prayer. Our prayer, oh Lord. That we would be stirred on the inside of us. That we would We refuse to be lukewarm. We will not be lukewarm. We will be ablaze. Ablaze. And burning with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Lord, what you have done in the past, you will do again and more besides. That's our declaration. Hallelujah.